When we decide to follow Jesus and to walk with him along his road, it is a big commitment, isn't it? And as each one of us gets older, the road gets longer, doesn't it? But the length of time we've been walking together doesn't change the fact that sometimes we do quite well on our journey and sometimes we find it hard even to get onto the road, let alone walk along it. And I think it's that road that we're traveling on this morning as we look at the road to Emmaus, one of the greatest stories that Luke tells in his gospel and one of the most fascinating. And the fact that we all have to get on that road in our own way and in our own time is illustrated here to a T. I think it happened on my first Alpha when I led one of the groups and during the discussion, I found myself empathizing with a young woman who told us that although she had had a Christian upbringing, she really wanted to have a go at finding out about her faith for herself. She was a vicar's daughter like me, and when she came back for her second session, she was quite upset about her father's reaction to her being on the course. Apparently, he'd been taken aback and slightly hurt when she tried to explain that she needed her own space to explore her faith. And she, in turn, had found his attitude very hard to understand. We reassured her and told her that we'd love her to continue. And so she finished the course and got a lot out of it and was a member of our congregation for quite a few years. I understood her so well because even though I'd been brought up a Christian in a Christian home by a loving Christian family, I rebelled and I spent many years touching my faith at the edges until I came here. And it was here that I found my own way back to understanding just what my faith and my church meant to me. It was then that I found myself back on a road that I could walk on with Jesus as my companion, a companion who turned my life around and helped me to where I am today. And if we need help on the road, there is no better companion than Jesus to teach us the right way to go, because all we need is his satnav as our guidance and his teaching as our way back to faith. So how lucky were these two depressed and sad disciples in our story today? Because not only was Jesus their companion in spirit, he was actually walking beside them on that road to Emmaus as a stranger and yet as a friend. And those two needed a friend more than anything else because like all the disciples, they were absolutely devastated. Let's think for a moment how we would have felt if we'd been a companion of Jesus for three whole years, perhaps not one of the 12, but even so, we'd followed him everywhere. Jesus had become a friend as well as a teacher. And as a friend, we would have grown to love him and to care what happened to him. And then just think how we must have felt if we'd lived through the horror of the crucifixion. If we'd only seen it from a distance, it would have been one of the most distressing things of our lives. 
In Luke's story, he only names one disciple, Cleopas. The other man was just a friend, but whoever they were, they obviously lived in Emmaus. And as they talk, we realize that they've only had second-hand version of what happened at Jesus' tomb and afterwards. So they seem to have left Jerusalem before the rumors of the resurrection had really surfaced. So it was only natural. All they could think about was the terrible loss that they felt. And as they talked together, they must have wondered how it could have happened. And for them, the future looked very bleak. So here they were, very low in spirits. And as they talked, things got worse and worse. Now, from what we read, we know that Jesus' appearances and disappearances after the resurrection could be very sudden. And this seems to have been one of them. But I think that those two were in such deep conversation that they wouldn't have noticed anything around them. And when they saw Jesus, they thought he was probably just someone who'd caught up with them because they were walking quite slowly. It's only later that the disciples realized that Jesus was no longer a subject to the limitations of time and space. So at this stage, he's able to trick them into thinking he's a stranger on a visit to Jerusalem, and they didn't suspect that he was anything else. So he starts by asking them what they're talking about because he can see that they're very sad and very serious and it must have been something important. In return, they are amazed that he's been in Jerusalem and hasn't heard the news about Jesus. After all, they've been the headlines of the day. And then it all pours out. How they thought that Jesus was different. He was so amazing as a teacher, they thought he might even be the Messiah, come to save them and the whole of Israel. And yes, they told him, they'd heard of some women that had been to the tomb and found it empty, and they'd seen angels, but that was just a few women. Of course, the other disciples had been to check too, but then there'd been no sign of Jesus or any angels either. And as he listens... Jesus realizes that this is the moment when his two deluded disciples need some very serious teaching. So he goes for it, talking about Moses and the prophets and how he, Jesus, fits into the scheme of things. And they obviously found what he said interesting and helpful, but still it didn't click. So when they get to Emmaus, they invite him in for supper and to stay the night. And when they won't take no for an answer, Jesus agrees to join them as he waits for the moment to reveal himself. And of course, it comes as he breaks bread with them in a way that they recognize immediately. And then he's gone. And they're left with eyes wide open with amazement, knowing that they have had the privilege of seeing Jesus risen from the dead. And of course, there's only one thing they can do, tired as they are. They race back to Jerusalem to tell the others that they have seen him. When these two disciples recognize the risen Jesus, there is an instant and complete change. They are made whole again through the care and teaching Jesus gives them and the joy of his risen presence. They realize that just how much they failed to understand Jesus' previous teaching and how much more they understand now Jesus has opened their eyes. 
there are people today who follow a disconsolate path that all that echoes, that, that all that has gone wrong echoes behind them all their past lives. And when they look at the road in front of them, there's not much hope there either. Surely, if we see our mission today as a church bearing fruit for Jesus, we need to go alongside these lost people to walk with them, empathize with them when they need it, and above all, listen, listen to what they are saying. And sure enough, in good time, we will be able to share the good news that Jesus is risen, that he is alive, and he is with us here today. Of course, this takes time, and it needs the occasional simple meal together, or a drink in the pub, or a late-night conversation to help the message to bear fruit. But the moment will come, and with all our hard work and care, eyes will be opened, and the risen Christ will be recognized. Surely this is why Tri-Church Sunday is really about. The risen Christ bringing our friends and neighbors and those we quite casually meet know back here, back to Jesus. And like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, for us and for all and them, what a wonderful moment that will be. Let us pray. Risen Jesus, as we prepare for Tri-Church Sunday, help us all to be open to asking friends and strangers to join us on the road to understanding your message of love and truth and peace, so that we may bear fruit for you today and always. Amen.